when I was a kid, I used to love doing connect the dots with travel and um, be in the back seat and, you know, you'd go from one to two to three and sometimes you would see where the lines were going but you had no idea what was going to come out. That was the idea of connect the dots. It just made no sense until you had the complete picture. I sort of feel like this message in some ways kind of like a connect the dots for me. There are themes that have been resonating in my spirit this past week and um, in some ways I'll see what kind of picture we come out with at the end. And I'll begin by just offering this simple phrase. Some days I wish I didn't care so much. Some days I wish I didn't care so much. Now I realize that seems like a very strange and counterintuitive thing for a pastor to say. But if I didn't care so much, I just might get more sleep. I might let go of things a bit easier and sooner, and probably I would find ways to relax more. Now, to be sure, there are times I've cared about things that shouldn't matter. For example, caring about what others think of me, or whether they agree with me, or whether or not the Reds will ever win the World Series again. There are things that I probably care too much about. It's caring about the things that do and should matter that keep me up or keeps me thinking or keeps my soul restless. Some of it's good. Some of it's painful. All of it is important. But sometimes I think it would be much easier to not care, to just turn a blind eye and enjoy life. And of course, there have been times where I have cared well, and there have been times where I have probably not cared as well as I should have, and people probably have been on the receiving end of that, and I'm always regretful and apologize as best as I can. Now, some of these thoughts were going through my head on the way back from Raleigh on Friday. I had spent most of the day there with Chad, and we had dropped Linda off at the airport Friday morning early, and I picked Chad up, and we were going to do some car browsing, and I was on my way back about 1 or 2 in the afternoon after being out on the hot parking lot for about two hours, and Chad and I doing the whole kind of good cop, bad cop thing, and I'll let you know who was who. Um, but I was thinking about folks in my life who are struggling and hurting. I was thinking about the ongoing struggles in our yearly meeting. I was thinking about the tragic shooting in Charleston, South Carolina, and I actually had the radio on, and I was following updates on the radio. And I thought, if I just didn't care, it would be much easier. I could just listen to music. Enjoy the ride, get back home, get ready for the weekend and put together a very nice, comfortable sermon and then end the rest of the weekend with an afternoon laying on the couch watching the U.S. Open. So I turned the radio to a different station, Classic Vinyl of Sirius XM. Now the reason I turned it to Classic Vinyl is because I know most of the songs on Classic Vinyl. I know the words, I know the tunes. And as I had it on, there was a song that came on by Pink Floyd. Now, here's where it gets weird. I've never had God speak to me through Pink Floyd and classic vinyl on Sirius XM. But there's a first time for everything. You don't know Pink Floyd, look him up. Maybe not. You may have heard of him before, but there was a song that came on, and you Pink Floyd fans will know it, called Comfortably Numb. Comfortably Numb. Now, to be sure, 
Pink Floyd may have had a whole different meaning for that song, and I think he actually did. But in those moments, I don't question how God is speaking. I just listen. And for me, what I heard was this. I heard the risk of becoming comfortably numb to all the struggles and the pain around me. As the lyrics say, I have become comfortably numb. It would be easy to shut things out, build a wall, change the station, which is what we do. We change the radio station. We change the TV station. We don't like what we see. It bothers us. It makes us uncomfortable. What do we do? We just change the station, and we numb out. But I'm not sure that's what God wants, and I'm pretty sure if I dig deep, that's really not what I want as well. And by the way, it's just not news reports. It's just not tragic situations. It's life. We numb out in life. It gets too painful in our relationships. We numb out. It gets too painful with the stuff we have to work through. We numb out. Brene Brown, who's a social worker and writer, says one of the ways, the American way that we numb out is we get what she calls crazy busy. We get so busy and we run so hard that we never have to stop to think about what is going on inside of us. And I would say not just people. I think organizations and churches can get crazy busy as well. But I do want to care. And I do care about what happens to us, happens to me, and what happens to the world. And my prayer is that I don't become so comfortably numb to all that around me, and I would hope that we don't become comfortably numb to the needs around us and our pain and our struggles and our woundedness. Now, there's a word that I've used before, and you've heard me use it. It's that word flourishing. When we are flourishing in our faith, and when we are loving one another, we will not become comfortably numb. And I'm betting on that. That's what I know about myself. This is what Paul is thankful for when he greets the Thessalonians. He's thankful that he writes that their faith is flourishing and that they are growing in love for each other. So what I do care about is this, among other things, that I flourish. But I care also more about that you flourish as individuals. And I care even more about that we flourish as a meeting. When we flourish, we add to the world around us. When we are flourishing in our life, the world flourishes, and this is the intent of God for all of us. Now, what does it mean to flourish? Well, John Ortberg, who has written about this, helps me understand it in a way that really brings it down on the bottom shelf. Here's what he says. God made you to flourish, to receive life from outside yourself, to create vitality within yourself, and produce blessing beyond yourself. Flourishing is God's gift and plan. And when you flourish, you're in harmony with God, other people, creation, and yourself. But then here's what he has to say. Flourishing means moving toward God's best version of you. When you are flourishing, you are moving toward God's best version of you. That's a question that I ask myself and maybe ask ourselves. Are you moving toward God's best version of you? And are we moving towards God's God's best version of us? When we flourish in our faith, it's to be connected with God in such a way that God's breath and spirit fills us, in such a way that our lives are filled with energy, 
with vitality, which in turn produces hope and confidence and faith and courage and love. If you want to look at it, the opposite, the opposite is to languish. And to languish is to simply not have vitality. The common denominator in all of this is we either have vitality or we don't. We either are experiencing it or we don't. We either have energy about life or we don't have energy about life. I see a lot of people who languish. I see a lot of organizations that languish. I see a lot of couples that languish. The the energy and the life has just gone out of them. And the problem is that sometimes they just choose to live there, not knowing that there is another way, there's another path. There can be God's best version of each of us. And when we languish, we sometimes become comfortably numb, and we just stay there, and we numb out, and we say, I'm just going to live here a while because it feels comfortable. God's breath and spirit lives in us. And so we become those who dream God's dream. We become aligned with with God's vision and intent for the world. It says if God transplants his heart into our life and we live with the heart of God, and it keeps us from becoming that comfortably numb. I was thinking about this whole idea of God's breath and God's spirit in us and, and giving us life, and I was thinking about as I was driving back, Linda flying on the plane. Now, some of you have flown before. Um, some of you a lot, I know. And some of you have quit listening to what the stewardess or steward has to say often when they're going through the routine and they're going through the instructions. But usually there's that part about the oxygen masks, right? And when the oxygen mask comes down, the stewardess or steward always says what? Do you know? What's that? Put it on yourself first. Because if you can't get oxygen in life, what happens? You can't help those around you. And if you can't help those around you, then that's a problem. And so as I thought about that in the church and flourishing in God's breath, I thought maybe it's important that we put our own oxygen masks on first as God's people, as deep river friends that we breathe in God's life, that we breathe in the life-giving spirit of God, that we flourish ourselves to be God's best version of ourselves individually and as a church so that we in turn can what? Bring life to others around us and to this world and our community. As John Ortberg says, as you flourish, you help God's recreation of the world that he wants to see. It seems that the best way to do that is to find ways to bring life and love to the world. Now, here's the thing. There is a risk in loving. To love is to care. It's to feel. It's to make ourselves vulnerable. It's to act like it matters. But there is even a greater risk in not loving. And that's that phrase again. We become comfortably numb. Years ago, C.S. Lewis wrote um, a lot of books, but he wrote this about love. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all the entanglements of life. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, 
and dark and motionless and airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable. It will become impenetrable. It will become irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. See, I think there's two ways to avoid becoming comfortably numb in life. One is through God, to allow God's life to fill us, God's breath to energize us, God's presence to animate us daily. And the second is to love. Is to love knowing that there's a huge risk. Is to love knowing that it makes us the most vulnerable people on earth. But it's to know that when we do both of these things, we move towards God's best version of ourself. When we love and when we live into God's presence and life-giving spirit and we allow ourselves to flourish. As I thought about this, I put some questions down for myself and maybe for all of us. How can we love well and be a life-giving presence in our world? How can you love well individually with people around you, the people that you love, that you care about, that you're with every day? Are we individually and as deep river friends moving towards the best version of ourselves? And what would that look like? Dads, this is our day. This is your day. So let me ask you, are you moving toward the best version of yourself for those that need the best version of yourself? Whether it be small children, your adult children, whether it be your spouse, whether it be just anyone, are you moving towards the best version of yourself? And then the last is how can we keep our hearts open to the groanings of the world and not succumb to becoming comfortably numb? In other words, let's not change the channel. Let's not change the station. Let's stay with it sometimes. Because maybe it's the groanings and the pain and the brokenness that's inviting us to enter into it, to be those who bring life, to be those who breathe life into that very situation. I sat with someone this morning. Someone you don't know, just a friend of mine. We were talking beforehand early. He's going through a very difficult time. And as I listened to him, him and his wife and his child, and here he is on Father's Day, and just this past week his daughter attempted suicide. And so he's spending Father's Day at home with her um, on suicide watch in a local hospital. And as I heard him share that this morning, my first thought was, This is the last thing I want to hear today. This is the last thing I want to feel. I want her to get comfortably numb and just say, all right, well, yeah, we'll pray for you. But I'd already written my sermon, so I knew that I was being challenged. And so I listened. And I think in some ways I cried inwardly. And then we sat. And then I prayed for him. And I prayed that God's love and light like a shaft of light would break through the walls and the darkness of her soul and would in some ways bring her to a place of wanting to live. And I prayed for him and his wife. Sometimes entering into that will make your day go in a different direction. 
but I don't know how to explain it. But in some ways, it was a real Father's Day gift to me to be able to pray with another father about his daughter, who I know he was just in complete pain over. I want to share something else with you, and this is very personal, and I'm not checking my Facebook. Actually, I am because it came through Facebook. (laughs) Private message. And this is about being God's best version of yourself. And that's going to be different for everybody, folks. Again, life is not a competition. Life is not a competition. You're not competing with anybody for Christian of the Year, for super spirituality of the year. You are living into who Christ has called you to be, the best version of yourself. I got this message from my mom about 7 o'clock this morning, which means she gets up a lot earlier than I do. And here's what she had to say. Dear one, I just wanted to send a note saying, I so appreciate the father you are to your kids. You're so supportive and loving. The Lord bless you for your tenderness. Your father, too, loves and admires you so much. He is always saying, that boy is such a great preacher and pastor. He just doesn't express himself easily. Even as he tells me this, he cries. He is the perfect example of tenderness but unable to express it easily. He was so deprived of this expression as a child, and it doesn't come easily. But the deep love is there. But we both think you're wonderful, and we're blessed to have you in our life. Love, Mom and Dad. Equal opportunity, by the way. They think my sister's wonderful, too. (laughs) But here's the deal. I never asked for a perfect father. I just asked for the best version of himself, and that's what he gave. Sometimes the odds are against you. Sometimes the challenges are great. Sometimes your family of origin is much different than somebody else's family of origin, and you just live with the cards you were dealt. But he was the best version of himself that God had created. Are you living towards that best version of yourself? I hope you are. Because if you are, it will bring you energy and life and you will flourish and you will find that life in some ways is richer and deeper and more joyful than you've ever imagined. Or you can just become comfortably numb. But be careful. If you do, Pink Floyd's going to come on the radio and God's going to speak to you while driving down the road and you'll have a decision to make. And I hope you'll choose to flourish.